Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Uh, Russ, we have a hell of an exciting episode this week. There has been some major news that has come out surrounding herd athletics. Both, I don't even want to give anything away. It's just both current and past and future, really. And I'm really excited to get into this episode. There is a lot that we need to talk about. So without any more delay let's get into this episode with a quick word from our sponsors at laser oliver pllc if you've been hurt in a wreck let the personal injury law firm of laser oliver pllc handle every detail don't be a victim twice find them on facebook and the web at 304carwreck.com or call 304-521-4042 all right, man. Let's roll with this thing. Uh, I am. I am. I'm not giving anything away, but you guys really need to stick around this week. If you tune in and just listen to the five things, that's fine. That's cool. This week, you really need to stick around for the entire feature and get what's going on in around the herd. This is a great episode. I don't think I've been as excited about an episode in a long, long time. And my baseline pumped up level is pretty big for each and every episode, but this one kind of goes uh, a little bit beyond. So, Russ, start me off with. Five things that every herd fan needs to know this week. How about seven? All right. Seven things every herd fan needs to know this week, as always, brought to you by Ignite Link, the Tri State's premier IT management team. Number one, men's basketball Saturday home games have been bumped up to 4 p.m. tip offs for the rest of the year. Calling it uh, fan, fans first and fan friendly, like tip off times, right? That's a nice, weird tongue twister to say, but. Makes sense, right? You can get that earlier game. It means people can make the pilgrimage to the cam with some daylight. A little bit easier to get in and around. We all know that. So, good move. Let's uh, Probably opens the door for uh, a few more people to make those games, specifically those Saturday games. Might be a little tougher for the midweek tip-off when folks might not get off work until 5 or a little later, but you really got to like that for the weekend tips. Uh, but anyway, you slice it. Being able to make the move or make the drive to the cam in the daylight is always a good thing. I think it's a I think it's a sweet move. It's, it's something that they should have done. That's that was a that was a big thumbs up. Yeah, and to clarify, it is only those Saturday games that they have oh, changed these okay. tip off times to four p.m. But um, that is something that has been brought up to them uh, repeatedly. They said they also had uh, a very good turnout at the Louisiana game, and uh, I don't know. I've got three kids. It is tough for me from a seven to nine game. Uh, sometimes it goes, you know, basketball games, yeah. the last two minutes can last 30 minutes. Then um, it's 930 when you get out of there and trying to get them home. Now, I'm not saying change this because of Russ living good. Uh, people have brought it up. I have not. You know, mm-hmm. I heard it and I thought, well, maybe I can start taking the the kids to some of these games a little bit earlier because often we don't have much to do at 4 p.m. Um, so no, I'm, I'm for it. And, uh, I do think that it will allow some kids that aren't necessarily going to be up that late or 
that would interfere with their uh, bedtime routine, trying to get them calmed down for bed. I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, you're a microcosm of a larger portion of the fan base. There's so many people with kids, and you just exclude them or because they, they start asking that question. Hey, is it worth going downtown, man? We're, we ain't going to get home. We haven't had dinner. You know, it's all that stuff. Four o'clock tip off on a Saturday is perfect. You don't, you don't have to rush out of the house to get there. It's perfect. It's right in the sweet spot. You still get out probably no later than 7. If you want to still go home and cook dinner, you can. If you want to catch dinner downtown, you can. It's just a good move. Good move. A-plus yeah. decision for the herd on this one. Number two is cross-divisional opponents for football have been announced. That gives us our full schedule. We just don't have the times and dates. Those usually come out from the Sunbelt Conference uh, for your conference uh, foes on March the 1st. Right. And I got to say right off the rip, it's really cool to get Southern Miss back on the schedule. They've been off the schedule for a number of years after we played them like 14 or 15 consecutive years in the Conference USA. So it's a great series uh, that we've had with them for, God, well over a decade. It's just great to have them back. And in their own right, they got some big transfer portal news, Southern Miss. You know, the, they, they picked up the Florida State quarterback that hit the uh, portal. So they're going to be a little bit uh, improved, maybe a lot of bit improved. Of course, you know, we, we there's a time and a place to talk about what the herd's been doing in the portal, but uh, just knee-jerk reaction. Getting ULM and Southern Miss, it's not a bad draw, right? I mean, it's it's depending on how you look at it. If you're a fan of, like, tough teams and you want the toughest schedule you can play to kind of galvanize your your team and, and and battle test them, that's one thing. If you also might need to pick up a, you know, an easier win – uh, I'm not throwing shade at anybody, but, you know, both ULM really struggled last year. They could be much improved, too. We just don't know. But um, this is a different kind of animal than than Arkansas State and um, uh, South Alabama, right? Uh, so I'm excited about that. And, and you're right. We won't know dates, the the actual dates or kickoff times for a little while longer. Uh, kind of we learned that the, the Sun Belt does its um, – uh, conference scheduling around everyone's out of conference scheduling. So that makes it kind of a kind of an easier uh, path to schedule those those out of conference games that you might like to have instead of trying to settle for who you can get if you need a home game type thing. So pretty cool to know at least who the teams are that are going to be on the Sun Belt slate in 2024. Yeah, Louisiana Monroe at home, Southern Miss away, and I have been wanting to get down to Hattiesburg for years. Now is the time that I am looking, and I just did a little cursory, cursory glance. It looks like flying out of Charleston directly to Hattiesburg with stops, but I mean as close as you can get to the Hattiesburg destination. Uh, $350 or less round trip, so not bad. that's not too, not too bad. It's higher uh, here. It's higher, um, I think, in Lexington or same price. I think it was around Lexington and uh, Cincinnati. So I'm thinking that uh, this might be the year that I get to go down there and uh, do some of that famous tailgating that Southern Miss is known for. So Yeah, it's always I, – I would like to go to Hattiesburg too, but uh, it's, it, it's never just lined up. You know, it's always mm -hmm. one of those stadiums that anytime Marshall has talked about like a stadium renovation or whatever, I've always like do kind of what Southern Miss does because they kind of got it right there and it looks cool and and it fits the bill. And, you know, it's a similarly sized stadium and everything. So I'd like to see it firsthand. And, and Southern Miss 
by and large over the years has always been a really uh, respectable fan base. They're not just like full of clowns that just toss you. Every fan base has them, obviously. But I've always felt that Southern Miss is a true peer program to Marshall. Mm -hmm. uh, very much aligned kind of the same way. And it, it's it's just great to have them back on the schedule. Yeah. Number three, Marshall lands two on the Reese Senior Bowl roster for the first time ever. That's Rasheen Ali and Ethan Driscoll. Awesome, man. I, I didn't think we were going to see any, you know, especially since Rasheen Ali accepted the East-West Shrine Bowl bid. I thought, all right, well, that's what it's going to be. And we talked about this before. We talked about how occasionally they will invite someone who is not a senior to be uh, a part of the Senior Bowl. And uh, Rasheen Ali is now one of those guys, right? And, and what a great opportunity. I mean, this is the showcase game for postseason showcase games. Yeah, the Hula Bowl is great. We got a couple of guys going to the Hula Bowl. I don't know if we're going to talk about that or not. Uh, and the East-West Shrine Bowl is great. They got the Gridiron Showcase. We've had guys in all of those before. Uh, but to have two for the first time ever in the Reese's Senior Bowl, that's a big, big, big deal. Man, we've had guys that have gone to the Senior Bowl in the past. I can think right off the top of my head. Of course, Chad Pennington, when he was Senior Bowl MVP. Chris Jaspers, a senior from – or a center from many years ago, he went. Tyree Brady went. A Gator uh, Hoskins went. You know, so we've had guys that have played, and, and there have been more that I'm just not thinking of right now. But to get to for the first time ever, huge congratulations to Rasheen Ali and Ethan Driscoll, man. What a great way to uh, – Make that draft stock rise. I am pulling hardcore for those guys. Yeah, so now we have um, a little question, though. Rasheen Ali has accepted the East-West Shrine Bowl. It's Thursday, February the 1st. Yeah. Reese's Senior Bowl is February the 3rd. That's Saturday. So what's he do? Uh, he he doesn't play the Shrine Bowl. <laughs> that's what we figure, but, you know. That's what Maybe. I would do. I mean, no, no, no disrespect to the Shrine Bowl, right? But the the Senior Bowl is far more prestigious, mm -hmm. and you're not going to play. You're not going to put yourself in a position to have to play two games. But the most important part of that really is the practice week because you're being you're being coached by NFL uh, coaching staffs. So that's mm -hmm. where all the scout, not all the scouts, but that's where a sure. ton of scouts are. There are more eyeballs there than there are going to be at the Shrine Bowl. Without a doubt, in my plus, who's going to pass up on the opportunity to be coached all week long by NFL coaching staffs? So you see guys that form relationships with coaches, and they may go undrafted, but lo and behold, one of the two coaching staffs from the Senior Bowl ends up giving this guy an opportunity in free agency, and bam, that's all you need is an opportunity sometimes. So I, my gut says you pass, you, you withdraw from the Shrine Bowl respectfully, but I'm playing the Senior Bowl. It's what I figure too, but I don't know if there will be any kind of statement comes out from East West Shrine or all. Probably not. All right, number four, Dalton Tucker and Eli Neal commit to the Hula Bowl. You asked if we uh, were going to have it on there. It's a thing. It is a thing, man, and that's cool too. Couple more guys into the Hula Bowl. We've had guys again in the Hula Bowl in the past, and. Uh, we may have had multiple in the past, but this is cool because I didn't realize that the game actually moved out of Hawaii. And now it's in Orlando, which is just right up the road from me. It's this coming Saturday, and it's an early kick. It's like noon, you know. So getting there, if I'm off, I'm really, really, really considering, like, going up there. You know, my I, I talked to my wife about it, and she's like, oh, we could just go 
burn a few hours at Disney Springs and walk around the shops and have a good time while you go to the game. And I'm like, hey, that kind of works out because everybody's relatively close, you know, and uh, we wouldn't have to take two cars and all that crap. So if if I'm off on Saturday and um, it, the weather is decent, I mean, it, it doesn't even have as long as it's not wet. You know, I don't want to go set in the rain, but I'll go. I mean, I'll throw on a hoodie and, and go watch Eli and, and Dalton, uh, you know, one more time because, hey, that doesn't happen very often. I was really hoping and praying for a Florida bowl game to try to get that opportunity to see the herd one more time. And if I can't get the whole team, I'll take what I can. So if the stars align, I'm going to make the trip. But uh, super cool, man. I'm, I'm happy for those guys. The uh, Hula Bowl teased a little player's arrival video yesterday, a little, uh, little montage and – Caught a glimpse of Eli real quick in the airport. So, guys are there, man. It's time to compete. And this is another one, right? It's a showcase game, so there will be tons of scouts there. Uh, the, both of those guys have an opportunity to stick. I mean, we're a little biased, but they can play, man. They can play. So, you get them in, the, in front of the right set of eyeballs, get them in the right situation, they can play. The, the ability and skill levels there. Number five is Kim Caldwell picks up her 200th win. Whoa. Well, obviously not at Marshall, but career win, right? Right. Um, let's see that I double. I, I didn't think I needed to say that. You, <laughs> you should have done you should have done uh you should have done the old who was it? Kenny Maine, maybe that said two hundred win, not this season. That'd be a record. That'd be a record or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's see that double uh on the herd sideline. Let's do that. Let the, but first of all, congratulations. Those milestones are cool. The graphic they put out, I got to say this again because, you know, I just noticed these things. She had some really sweet shoes on <laughs> in that graphic they put out. But let's see her go from 200 career wins to 400 and 500 and 600 right there in Huntington, West Virginia. Um, they are rolling. Man, they are rolling. Uh, all these graphics coming out every day or every other day, number one in the SBC, number whatever, top 10 in the country. Man, and, and we still – uh, aren't packing the cam the way we should be packing the cam for that team. I mm -hmm. mean, buy, buy low, sell high. And, and there's no buying lower than right now because the hype has not caught on with the majority of the fan base. It's caught on with us, and we're doing our best to share and spread that energy. But for some reason, man, people still aren't turning out the way they should. And I'm telling you, if you go – you will go freaking back. You might even go and go, you know what? Season tickets for the rest are only 25 bucks or whatever. I'll go ahead and pop for the rest of the season, even though it's, you know, part of the way done. They are exciting, man. Exciting. They are exciting. And uh, Saturday's game was decently uh, well attended. I think they reported 999. It's good. It's not where we want it, but it nope. is good. Uh, Thursday night game, uh, you know, it just it wasn't near as, as packed as that. But sure. uh, it was pretty good. pretty good crowd on Saturday. And uh, Coach Kim brought that up in press conference. Said, yeah. You know, uh, Number six here, uh, 19th annual Valentine's Day dance, Marshall University Quarterback Club of Charleston. This is February the 17th, 6 p.m. to midnight. So what's the details on that? What's the, what's the cost? And, and give me the whole nine. So you got the Embassy Suites is going to be the location. And I believe that has been the location since I've known of this event. I don't know how far back it goes. But um, I did have the pricing up, and I don't have it written down here. Uh, so while I look for that, talk to me a little bit about this event and what uh, you know it it does. And that well, also while you're looking, answer a question for me because I'm just Got not it. as I'm just not as averse 
So is there is this Embassy Suites in Charleston, or is there yeah. one also in Barbersville or something? No, no, it's in Charleston. Okay, so the, the one down QB by Club the of, yeah, it's by, QB Club of the, Charleston um, is the one that puts this event on. So down by the uh, town center, right? That yeah. embassy. Okay. No, it's just it's a. I mean, it's a night out, right? To where you can do you can dress up and you can have a nice you know, dinner and, and go to a nice event all while supporting the herd. And, you know, the quarterback club is, is kind of a, um, you know, obviously as the name would entail, like a football, um, you know, only type fundraising arm. So they do great things down there. They have a couple events every year and, and they do, you know, they're the type of, uh, um, organization that will have like killer giveaways i mean i see some of these things and they're like man you're giving remember a couple of years ago wasn't it them that gave away like a tailgating trailer or something like yeah. that man that was awesome so it's a great way to get out you and you and your significant other can dress up for the evening have a nice you know romantically herd themed evening all while yep. supporting marshall and i do have the uh sponsorship and other details here First, uh, you can get a room there and uh, use the code 90P for uh, the block of rooms that gets you a discount at the Embassy Suites. Tickets include dinner, beer, wine, and soft drinks. There's a full bar available with drink tickets or cash. Talk about drink tickets here in a minute. You can register online at herdzone.com or contacting the Big Green office at 304-696-4661 or Big Green at Marshall.edu. An all-in sponsor is $7,000. Gives you two 10-top tables. Program recognition, 100 drink tickets, two sideline passes for a select home game, assigned football, and your company logo is on all event materials. The Green table sponsor, $3,500. One table of 10. Program recognition, 50 drink tickets, two sideline passes for a select home game, and assigned football. A white table sponsors $2,000, table for 10, program recognition, 25 drink tickets. If you just want to go as an individual, it's 175 bucks a person, and a coach's sponsor is $100. Cool. So several price points to fit your agenda. This is a nice uh, way to do a corporate-type sponsorship and, and reward yep. some of your employees. That'll be pretty cool. And plus, man, some of those perks that come along with that, pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another opera, it's just a great opportunity. You know, it's a great fundraising opportunity for, for her football, for the quarterback club. And on the flip side of that coin, it's a great opportunity to, like I said, get out, get dressed up, have a great evening and be surrounded by people that share um, a deep love and passion. Valentine's day pun intended for the herd. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that this and the reverse raffle are the top two fundraising mm -hmm. uh, events that they have every year for, for Marshall football. And I know this being the 19th annual of this. And like I said, it's been at the embassy suites for as long as I can remember. It may have been there uh, for the entire time. Uh, this has been a well attended event and it seems to just keep getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. I've got a lot of friends that have been able to go. I have never been able to go. Sometimes it has coincided with uh, me taking my daughters to a father daughter uh, Valentine's day thing here in Huntington. Uh, but this year it falls a little differently, uh, the way that's scheduled. So I might be able to go to this. I don't know. It's a nice uptick, right? You're talking about that, that this event growing, uh, the reverse raffle was really huge last year. You probably expect yeah. a little bit of growth this year with that. The paint, the mm -hmm. capital city green event is always mm -hmm. big, you know, 
and now moving that up to the the uh, flight school hangar, you know, yeah. that was cool. You know, that just added a different element to it and brought it a brought made it a little bit more herd centric. I mean, I tell you, these are these seem like little small things, especially if you're not somebody that goes to these events or has gone in the past. It just sounds like a little tweak to it. But if you're somebody that goes to these events, you really see the change in the atmosphere and you're like, man, you know, this kind of really is a different experience than it was just two years ago, maybe. So I love this stuff, man. I, I love that these events grow larger. And that just means like the things that they offer in these reverse raffles get to be bigger and better. And it's just great all the way around. Right. We all know that it, it, we have to grow. We have to grow like organically. Right. And it's events like mm -hmm. this that, that get more people involved, you know, that, that make more people want to come to things. So I love that, man. And I really hope this one is, you know, this year, I mean, why not set an attendance record? That's the type of thing you want to hear. Like, we, well, we sold out of our allotment or, you know, we we had to, you know, put, bring in more tables because demand was so high. I just love that, man. I think herd fans are just, we might not be the biggest fan base in the, in the country. Obviously we're not, but damn, if we don't probably rank up there in passion per capita, you know what I mean? It's, it, I, I love who we are as a fan base. Our uh, seventh and final thing is our weekly transfer portal update. And since we had this last week, we had uh, one enter the transfer portal. That was Jaden Harrison. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'll let you talk about him in a second. And we have Ashton Heflin, a linebacker from Georgia Tech. Ty Perkins, a wide receiver from Cincinnati. And Jacarius Clayton, a tight end slash defensive end from Mississippi State. Those three are confirmed to uh, be committed here. There are others that you may see out there on various reporting sites, but they have not been confirmed yet, so we don't put them on there. We would rather be 100% accurate than first or put somebody out there and then yeah. not be. Yeah, that's the best point to make, right? Because some mm -hmm. folks might they, – they, people send me stuff all the time. You know, like, have you seen this? Did you? Yeah. I, this guy committed, and I'm like, eh, well, just because, you know, on three says he did or just – he may have. A player may have. But we're not mm -hmm. going to take the chance. We would rather be accurate, like you said. Rather mm -hmm. be accurate than first because we're not trying to break news. That's not what we are. We want people to get accurate info. I don't give a crap if I'm the 5th, 6th, 10th, 30th, 50th one to tweet about it. I don't care. It's more important to me that that's a legitimate move that was made, right? Uh, but I guess the the most, let's call it a little earth-shattering, is, is Jaden Harrison hitting the portal. Entirely surprising? No. The fact that it basically came in the 11th hour of being able to enter the portal, that was a little surprising. I thought we'd cleared this initial window of entering, right? You can come out of the portal at, you know, there's no deadline really right now, but entering, you had to hit that window and he kind of hit it on the last day. So that kind of sucks because when you get a guy that makes all these all American lists and we, you know, a lot of us are circling him as, a big time returning weapon to the offense. Now he has not committed elsewhere. So it is not a done deal that he won't withdraw. I'm just, you just can't bank on that, right? You, you, you can't bank on that. So it, it, he was a huge part of the success, obviously of the Marshall football team overall, massively impactful, obviously from a special teams kick returner standpoint and even made some plays in the wide receiving game. So mm -hmm. very, very versatile weapon to hit the portal. Uh, 
I'm not mad at it. I'm never going to be mad at it. It's just the nature of the game. You know, right? You go out and, and you make moves and try to bring somebody in to augment that. And for all we know, the guy that is the next uh, all-American kick returner is on the roster. We, we don't know. I mean, he's vastly dangerous in the kick return game. But there are any number of guys that you can uh, put out there that if they make a move and see some daylight, they're equally as gone. They're not going to get drugged down from behind. So I always wish our players that hit the portal the best, and Jaden is no different. This one is one of those when I saw it, I went, ooh. You know, there have been a few of those guys that when they entered, I went, ah, oh, man, that kind of stinks. Uh, but, I, I, dude, I hope he finds the spot he needs to be in. I hope he lands on a contender that is going to vie for a national championship. Whatever it is that needs to, to check the box that he needed checked, I hope he finds it, right? Because there's Marshall is that school for some other guy. They, they're mm-hmm. We're checking boxes for guys that are coming here. Whatever the box is, we're checking it. So I'm never mad at these guys when they leave. I'm a little like, I, I just have to ah, cringe a little bit because, you know, he was somebody I wanted back. That's all. But uh, impactful, you got to call it a loss right now because he's in the portal and he's not out of the portal. So I expect even more movement. I said this in our recap, even more movement. I mean, damn, we did the we did the recap episode, and what do we do? We came out and four guys got added to the class, three transfers, and, of course, uh, kicker from Huntington High School, uh, uh, Johnny uh, IAA. The first team All State kicker. Everybody was clamoring for him to get the offer and to, and to to stay in town, and that's a big get, right? So, uh, going to provide some competition in the, in the uh, kicking room, but you know you always have to wait and see what the transfers in look like. But we knew what we had in Jaden Harrison, and him for now, he's portal out, and that kind of sucks. Well, you know, getting all these uh, accolades, we're just going to put a big target on him. For and sure. what what does somebody that thinks that Hey, we've got a good offense. We've got a good defense. We need that uh, field flipping weapon. We need mm-hmm. that uh, threat to take it to the house. We need uh, for people to do the pooch kicks and give it to us on the 38 because they don't want to kick to this guy. And there are big teams out there that just are going to say, we got to have that. And yep. they're going to go out and they're going to try to get that. So I don't hate it for him. Um you know, he transferred here from Vanderbilt. He took mm-hmm. advantage of that uh, injunction or rule, whatever you want to call it, where you can transfer twice and there's no repercussions. And uh, he is going to move on for his final year, and he's probably going to go to a big-time school and have a chance at playing in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that's what you want to do. If you got one more to go, you might as well make a run at it and find the best. Also find the best, um, you know, fit because we've seen guys hit the portal thinking they're going to get an opportunity and they don't play and they've yeah. essentially ruined derailed their careers or they have um, just not gotten the snaps or the playing time they thought they were going to get. And that's always a bad, that, that for the, for the player, that's a horrible situation, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's not always a grass is always greener situation. Sometimes it is very much not greener and the, you know, the flip side to, the other flip side to that is all of the fans, the the fan, the Marshall fans that continually go, why is this happening to our program? Gee, it happens to every program, man. Every man, single look, one. All you got to do is go to any number of the uh, national 
portal tracker things. Our portal tracker is about as thorough as you're going to find here. Yeah. By the way, you can find that on thundercast.online. It's the fourth article down, I believe, right now. It's the one with our logo, uh, the bison head, that you can click on it, and you can find all of that up to date within about three days' worth. We do it you know, at least twice a week. Yeah. But if you go to any of these national outlets, they're going to have just click by number of commits in and out or whatever, you're going to see 20, 30. I mean, it's just, that's what happens. And not everyone's on scholarship. Like we've talked about, not everyone was getting playing time. The world is not ending. That is what happens year in, year out. You're just hyper focused on it now because we are using the word transfer portal and we have trackers online for such a thing. And you, you get, Equally as excited when a guy comes out of the portal to Marshall, right? So just keep that in mind. I mean, you can't have 200 players on your roster, right? You can't just keep continually bring people in and nobody ever yep. leave. A, a roster spot has to be vacated for somebody to fill said roster spot. Uh, it, it isn't always great. And I think the, 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 the ones that people really get amped over are the ones that, like I do, I go, ooh, but I'm over it in a middle second. You know, they're, they're yep. not over it. They're over it maybe – Never. <laughs> I don't know. But it's just all part of the game now, and it's part of the intrigue of sports. I don't necessarily like it. I don't look forward to it, but it is what it is. And can, and I say this every time we talk about the portal. I always view it as an opportunity to get better with that roster spot. It doesn't have to be a wideout for a wideout. It doesn't have to be a QB for a QB. But it's an open spot that now gives you an opportunity to upgrade a position. At some point, you want them all to be upgraded. It may not work out that way, but whenever somebody leaves, that's a roster spot that is open for somebody to provide some improvement to a certain position group room. And that's the way I choose to look at it. So take that for what it's worth. Same. Well, that ends our this week, seven things every herd fan needs to know this week as always brought to you by ignite link. I'll tell you what, I think uh, probably the vast majority of our audience just sat there and went, you just did seven things and you didn't talk about the biggest news story of the week for the herd. Well, there's good reason for that. <laughs> it's because we're going to dedicate quite a bit of time to that because this is, well, potentially, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the right way to describe it. I don't have the right adjective because it's not something that we see very often. In fact, it'll be only the second time ever that we've seen it. Then it starts to allow us to talk about answers to other questions that we get to ask. And yeah, we're talking about the greatest wide receiver to ever play college football. At me if you want to. Randy Moss headlines the College Football Hall of Fame class of 2024. By the way, if you haven't seen the entire class, it is stacked. Usually those Hall of Fame classes are, but this one is really stacked. And Moss of course, got news of it live on television. Uh, and the genuine reaction, you you just can't make that up on the fly. You, you mm-hmm. can tell that that meant something, man. And uh, so, of course, now we, we get to talk about some of the things that go along with that. And um, But first, we, 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 we just need to talk about that itself. Uh, Marshall's got other guys in the College Football Hall of Fame. Right. Moss is Mm -hmm. not the first. There are a number of guys. There are some all time greats that are still on the ballot that for one whatever reason just can't get elected. And they unbelievably deserve to be elected into the College Football Hall of Fame. 
But Chris a, Parker. Thank you. But this is about Randy Moss, the greatest ever. I don't care who you are. The man is a verb, right? He is, he's moved into the pop culture lexicon and players, uh, you like era of players later, 25 years later, kids that weren't even born yet when he was playing ball, know what it means to get mossed, right? So mm -hmm. he has transcended the sport and moved into the pop culture lexicon in a term that may live on forever, right? As far as the game of football goes and, and, and a description, a term. So talk to me. Um, give me your reaction, right? When you first saw it, when the graphics came up, we, we knew it was on the ballot, right? Remember, we talked to Christian Spears last, uh, last year, and, and he was like, you know, we found out he'd never been nominated, and we're going to fix that. And so we had been thinking about that since that conversation. And we knew, like, how is he not a first ballot Hall of Famer? There's no chance in hell that Randy Moss is not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer in the College Football Hall. So the, the announcement comes out. Marshall puts out the, the announcement, the graphic. Then we see him get, get the, the, uh, the news live on TV. How did you feel about that in the, in the course of those several hours when you were seeing those, those things float across the timelines? Well, so I was at uh, at church and then left and got the news uh, that it had already happened. But, I mean, it was just all over anything that you brought up. I mean, I had an ESPN notification uh, on my phone about it. It was how I saw it first. Then you can't go on uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, the Internet, anywhere without seeing it. It just seemed to dominate the news. Rightfully so. I thought it was super cool that they took the time to do that. And um, listen, yeah, it was something that I don't care if you know in your heart that you're going to get an award such as this. One, no matter if you know and expect it, it's still going to get you when they announce it. Sure. Trust me. You know, I know. I know. We, we, yeah. Yeah. And then for it to be like, you know, you think that it's just going to be an article that comes out, you know, when they announce the entire class or whatever, but you're on live television and someone comes out and tells you, I mean, there is no hiding a reaction at that point and it's going to get you. I'm surprised he didn't go into tears because I probably would have, you know, and, uh, I'm sure that that meant the world to him. And, uh, I can't imagine a college football player, I don't care if he was there two years. I don't care if he was there one year or whatever. He absolutely dominated and was the best player on the field in every single game that he played. Yep. It, had he been there a full four years, let's say the NFL said some kind of new rule. No, you had to play four years at college before you can come. There probably would not be a chance in hell that anyone could break the records that that man would have put up. No kidding. He was ready for the NFL when he was here in 1996, our last year in what is now FCS. Uh, right. He was ready for the NFL in 97, our first year in FBS. He was definitely ready when everyone was saying, oh, well, now he's up against an SEC defensive back. Let's see how he does. Oh, by the way, <laughs> he jogged past the guy on a, on a touchdown for 75 yards on Marshall's first play of the game. Jogged by him. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen a man be able to kick it into a gear like he could. 
Mm-hmm. He would seem to be running and would be running fast. And then all of a sudden he just decided, well, I need to run faster. And he did. Mm-hmm. He had the hands. He had the leaping ability. He had the breakaway speed. He had the um, control, the body control to contort his legs, to get the feet in, uh, you know, that little shoulder bump where he would just bump someone enough to cause that separation to where they couldn't do pass interference on him. It's just everything that you wanted to teach a wide receiver he had. And I just can't imagine a better wide receiver ever in college. It's things. Well, first off, let me say this. He was ready for the NFL when he graduated high school, you know, you come out of DuPont high school in uh, 1995, he could have went straight to the NFL. Like this thing to NBA, and that's not a thing, obviously. But if ever there was a player that was NFL ready straight out of high school, that guy was ready straight out of high school. And for those of us that grew up in that area, you, you knew it. <laughs> so when when people for the first time would see him at, on a college field, and they would go, "Well, we'll see if he can do it in college." We're like, we already knew. We've been seeing this for years already. Then you see him dominate at the collegiate level, and they go, "Well, you know, let's see if he can do it in the NFL." And then he dominates the NFL, you know, to, to the point to where you're a pro football Hall of Fame first ballot inductee as well. So the the impact on herd football, I don't like to speculate if he were here for four straight years because Marshall would probably be somewhere else, right? They probably would not be in the Sun Belt right now in 2024. Because they were still a very early mover in this, and there was a lot. I mean, think about that. Being being one of those, what if you get that Big East invite? You know what I'm saying? Like, what what if that happens? So I don't like to prognosticate of where it could have been because we've done all right for ourselves, right? And I just appreciate the greatness that we saw and that I continue to I go back and watch the highlights all the time, man. I mean, all the time, because that's always going to be near and dear to my heart. And I know you're the same place because I was a freshman in the stands in 1997 watching these plays happen, you know, and some people, those freshmen that were those students that were freshmen in 1996 had it even better than me, you know. So I just am in constant awe. The, 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 the play, the highlights, they stand the test of time. You know, some things are cool in the moment, and then a few years later, they're not that great. And Moss is one of those guys whose highlights never get old. They stand the test of time. The plays are as exciting on the thousandth time you see it as they are the first time you see it. So what we're talking about now, Russ, though, is rarefied air doesn't even encapsulate it, right, when you talk about Marshall and Marshall Athletics history. Because now with this induction – Randy Moss becomes the second Marshall athlete, Marshall football player, football player, to be inducted into both the College Football Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The other, of course, being Frank Gunnar Gatsky, and Frank Gunnar Gatsky is the only one who has his name on the facade at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. And... Uh, athletic direct, director Christian Spears learned that that was kind of the criteria that it took to retire the 88, to get the name up there on the facade. I had heard that years ago, you know, just kind of in casual conversations with um, friends of friends that were, you know, working in the athletic department. So I knew that was a thing. I didn't know that Christian didn't know that. So 
Now you get to talk about some conversations, Russ. Uh, and we heard Christian say, we're going to honor him properly. When we talk to him way back then, if he gets in, we're going to honor him properly. So now you start speculating. What's 2024 going to happen? You're going to bring Moss back for a game. You're going you're gonna to honor him, and it's going to be like this big to-do. And are we going to see the 88 get retired? Are they going to take it out of circulation, right? If somebody happens to be wearing it right now, uh, is that player going to be able to keep it until he graduates or leaves the program and then no one else will wear the 88? Let me start there. Is that the thing to do? I'm going to ask you a series of questions, right? So I don't want you to expound too far. Let's start there. They bring Moss, let's say they bring Moss back. They're going to honor him with his, uh, you know, pro football hall of fame induction, his uh, college football hall of fame induction, all that. Do we retire the 88? Also, retire it? No, I do not. I uh, put it up on the facade. I put a statue of him at the stadium. I do as many honorifics as we can for that man, but I don't take the number out of circulation. Um, I would go as as far as doing everything but that. I mean, anything's on the table except for taking that number out. And I don't think, uh, I don't think that I would ever take it out. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I get like in professional sports, you know, retiring numbers and, and things like that. I think that's great. But in the college world, I'm just not that, not that way, especially in football. You've got, a hundred and some people on the field and, you know, you start retiring numbers and I know our criteria. I have a feeling that criteria will kind of change in the future because that's just going to be way too hard to get people to be able to have that retired. In my opinion, um, I think that that's a worthy discussion to have, but you start taking numbers out of circulation and everything, and then you never have those again. I don't know. I just, I mean, what if you had, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think, you know, you start retiring in the eighties and everything. And all of a sudden you've got so many tight ends, so many wide receivers that would be in that number. And I know you can have single digits in 18 and things like that, but I just don't do it, man. I, maybe that's a bad answer for me, but mm -hmm. I do not do it. I don't take it out of the circulation. I put it up there. I put a statue to him. Uh, I have a Randy Moss day. I have everything in the world that you can think of to honor the man, but I don't take the number off of the, the field, the Jersey off the field, because I think that every time you see that Jersey out there, if it's on the sidelines, if it's in the uh, field of play, making a play, you automatically say that was Randy Moss's number. I think taking that off the field just is one less thing to see that number. And I think every time I see that number, do you remember who had it right after him? I do. It's Demetrius yeah, Doss. Demetrius Doss. Yeah. And uh, it went from Moss to Doss. He was a wide receiver and he had it. And every time I saw that, I immediately thought of Randy. So I think leaving it on as somebody to wear, maybe you make it to where, you have to, I mean, the team has to vote on who can have it. I don't care. But having that on there, um, I'm 100% not um, for removing it. And here's one more thing. 
let's say it's the number six, uh, five years from now, someone uh, gets to come in here. They wear the number six for four years. They put up ridiculous stats. They go on to the college football hall of fame, the NFL hall of fame. And 20 years from now, we retire that number. That's taking it out of not just the offense, but you would have to take that number off the defense as well. You know, because in college you're using the same numbers in football. It doesn't happen in basketball. It doesn't happen in baseball. It doesn't happen in softball. But you're taking that number off the field from two different things, and we haven't had a number six on defense that's had that happen in this scenario. So I'm just not for it, and that's why. I respect your opinion, and I can actually see where exactly where you're coming from. And you make valid points and great points. I retire the 88 because there's nobody that has put Marshall football on the map like Randy Moss. That's it. No yeah. one has done it. We have had absolutely great players that have shined in the collegiate ranks, and we have had players that have shined in the pro ranks. You're talking about multiple Super Bowl champions, guys like Ahmad Bradshaw, great all-time runner, multiple Super Bowls in the NFL, right? Chad Pennington, we don't have to talk about his resume at Marshall. Multiple comeback player of the years in, in, in the NFL. I mean, no, it's not a Super Bowl championship, but, dude, if that doesn't speak to the toughness and the resilience, then nothing does. And, and the performance. I mean, it's not right. just that you come back from something. you got to do it at a high level to get that award. So I get it. I get where you're coming from. I also understand the argument of, you know, take it out of the rotation, it's one less. But this is this is different. For right now, Marshall's been playing football for a century, and they've got two guys that have been elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the College Football Hall of Fame. And some of the guys, like we just mentioned, might make it to the College Hall of Fame. We have guys that are in the College Football Hall of Fame. Troy Brown's in the College Football Hall of Fame. Will he ever make it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? I don't know, but that's a discussion to have. Do you take the number eight out of rotation if he gets elected? If that's what you do, yeah, that's what you do. So I retire the 88. I do it. I retire it. And I roll the dice on how many times it's going to happen to have to retire a number. Uh, and I just can't get past the fact that he he put Marshall on the map for a whole country people outside of Huntington largely and the Southern Conference really largely didn't know that much about Marshall outside of the plane crash until Randy Moss came along and Eric Kresser was throwing touchdowns like crazy and then Chad Pennington was throwing touchdowns like crazy right and then it just kind of went from there right Moss put him put was the blip on the radar and then Chad continued greatness and then Byron continued greatness and then we had all these running backs and wide receivers and it just continued right all these great defensive players but it was it was that really, it was him really that put it on the map nationally, okay? Heisman finalist, yeah, we had that after. He did it first. Bolitnikoff award winner, never had that since, you know? So there's things that are rarefied in their own right that go along with the, the two Hall of Fame inductions. I think you just have to retire the 88. I do. Uh, I love what you're talking about because you also have to think about, well, how do we honor our greats that won't necessarily make it to a NBA Hall of Fame or, or a Pro Basketball Hall of Fame or a Baseball Hall of Fame or, or a Pro Football Hall of Fame? But they were great here, right? And, and I've talked about this before, and we'll revisit this together right now. 
I think the easiest thing to do is that you retire the jersey, right? The number stays in rotation, but you retire the jersey. There are other schools out there around the country that do that. Marshall needs a ring of honor or a ring of fame or whatever you say. So when you walk in as a brand new herd fan, three generations removed from when Randy Moss played, Chad Pennington played, you walk in and you can go, okay, so these guys were a big deal. Before you even see the first highlight, as a little kid, you walk in and you see a name up there and the number 10 and you go, okay, this Chad Pennington guy must have been a big deal. Maybe that coerces you to go to YouTube or whatever is the next iteration of YouTube 40 years from now, and you watch highlights and you go, dang, this guy was pretty good. But I think you retire the jersey. So let's let's talk about the difference, right? The number stays in rotation. Mm -hmm. You make a replica of the actual a sign, a sign replica of the actual yeah. jersey, the Mac era number 10, the Mac era number seven, the Southern Conference era number eight, right? The Conference USA era number 44. And you display those. You retire the jersey. You put the names up there of these guys. They've earned it. If they're a Herd Hall of Famer, they ain't get on it. They need to be honored at the Joan. You need to walk somewhere and not just the banners in the concourse. I'm talking about inside the stadium. When you walk yep. inside and sit in your seat, you need to look around and be able to see that. So let's talk about that for a second. What what is that the move? Is that the best move you think for honoring those guys? Yeah, because like I said, I don't want the number taken out of the rotation. Uh, especially, you know, uh, let's say you take number seven out for Byron Leftwich. Okay, that takes it off of defense and offense. That's a popular number that you're going to have. Number ten is popular. Mm -hmm. uh, number eight is popular. All those guys are deserving. But you 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 take everyone that is deserving, and then you're taking it off of offense and defense. I get that. Uh, and so yeah, I'm I'm with that idea that you retire the jersey, you don't retire the number. Um, by the way, do you know when uh, Gunnar Gatsky's number was retired? I had to look it up just now. So no, I'm not. I don't know to, the year. I'm, you're asking okay. the year. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what is it? it seventy two, right? Number seventy two. I, I had seventy one in my head. Oh, I, th I thought it was number 72, but I remember that. It probably that there, is. But I remember that we had linemen in the 90s that wore 72. So it had to be well, far after that. It was October the 15th, 2005. There you go. They, they retired it then. So what I was trying to do was go back in my head and think since then, have we actually retired that number or do we just have it up on the facade? And I'm sitting here thinking you're saying 72 i'm saying 71 i actually now think you're right and i'm going to verify this because i can look it up <laughs> um but i think i have seen someone wear that number since then now we're talking it's been 18 seasons since i think i've seen that number and I think I've seen both of those at one point. And I could be totally, totally wrong. But, I mean, just seems to me that we're already not taking the number, the one that we have, out of the rotation. So if that's what they're doing, then they didn't retire the number. They retired the jersey without the jersey. actually saying we're retiring the jersey. Right? Yeah. Because all that's up on the facade is the name and the number. There is no you know, like Jersey, kind of like what's hanging up in the cam with the basketball jerseys. But I, I, you got to do something, right? You got to do something. And it can't just like, look, I love that, 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 that we've honored Gatsky and the numbers up there, but you got to do something. You got to revamp that look. 
you know? Yeah. And, and even now I'm looking at it right now and it is number 72 and it just says Gatsky number seven, two. Correct. It's, it's gotta be num- revamped. Yeah. Yeah. Take that off, put up a Jersey of it, put Frank Gunner Gatsky and have his Jersey there. Like you're talking replica of the Jersey sign of the Jersey, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there is plenty of room. It doesn't even have to be where it is right now. Right now it's like, um, right on the strip that says Joan C. Edwards Stadium and James F. Edwards Field. And right. I don't think that I'm speaking out of turn. We are actually talked about this on the show before. It, those are not in the correct color green. And with the synergy of everything that we want to do, uh, the branding that we want to do, we want, we're taking those letters off at some point. We didn't get to do it before this year. Uh, but they're going to come off and they're going back on in Kelly Green. So while you're taking those things off, take that off. There's plenty of unused room up at the top. It says Marshall, then it's got the football helmet, university, right in the center. To the left and the right, there is nothing. And there's a lot more room on that to put things than down where the Gatsky is. Yeah, but honestly, it doesn't even have to go back on the press box. right? It you doesn't. Have, you have all of these flagpoles and light poles that go around the stadium. It's nothing to put up something there to where you can begin to work your way around the stadium, even if you wanted to do that. there, There's other things that can be done, but I think the short and sweet of it is we've got to go a little uh, more creative than just a name and a number, right? And, and And let's go so far as to say, like, I don't know if you want to get this detailed in, but you, I think you obviously need to put like, let's say, you know, Moss 88, 1996-1997. You need to know, give, give context to the era where they, when they were here. Or if it was something, some massive accolade, like, by, you know, Chad was the all-time leading passer when he was done at Marshall. It's since been eclipsed, but when he left, he was Marshall's all-time leading passer, right? And those are the kind of things that, you should kind of say or or should be displayed or whatever but not on everybody but if they were that if they were the number one in something when they left you, you should just share that right but i think we're in agreement retiring the jersey is the thing to do and i want to take that a step further and removing football from the equation this should be done at every field and court that we have, if they are, if an athlete at Marshall University is in the Marshall Athletics Hall of Fame, their jersey should be retired somewhere on the field that they played, right? Morgan Zirkle's number 18, she's the head coach right now. If, if she, her number 18 should be retired at the dot somewhere, all those great softball players who's in the Athletics Hall of Fame should have their number, a jersey retired at the dot. Same with the the Cam Henderson Center, right? We've got jerseys up there, both men's and women's basketball. They're up there. Uh, but I think you need to go and do the era, right? The same thing, the era jersey. I mean, we've had the all-time leading uh, scoring record broken twice. And uh, granted, Kenzie did it just last year, so it would be a quick turnaround to do that. But it's been a number of years since John Elmore broke that record. And there's no John Elmore jersey up there, right? And there's no, But those are the things. You need to honor these folks. Like great basketball players. I know they're not in the John's probably not in the herd hall of fame yet. He will be. Yeah, and when he, he is, be. when he is, that's when you do it. That's part of the ceremony, right? And if you're going to do the hall of fame class every two years now, then that gives you ample time to prepare all of these jerseys, make all of the improvements to all of the fields so that you can uh, have that be part of the ceremony. Yeah. You honor them at a football game where everybody's at. 
then you can do a separate thing at the dot, you know, at the jack in the cam so that they can see their jersey get unveiled, you know, on the facades of those arenas and courts and fields. I just think that's what you got to do. I think that's what you got to do, you know, in that area. I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, man, because uh, how many different deserving uh, athletes have we had over the years? I mean, well, how many how, are in the Hall of Fame? That's how many. Yeah. At well, least. Well, yeah. Well, look at, you know, even with uh, out of football, uh, you mentioned, you know, earlier, you had to clarify and say football player, not athlete, because Hal Greer is in both. And, you know, Hal Greer deserves to have his number. I mean, we've got a statue of him up and, and everything. I know his number is up there, but again, I'm not so sure that they have taken those out of the rotation. Maybe they have. And I did look, I'm through, I went through like 10 different years right now. We have not had a 72 on the roster. Um, I'm currently up to 2016 and there's not a 72 on it either. So, so we obviously have retired that number. Uh, yeah. Shockingly, Russ Livingood got one wrong on here. <laughs> it's the only mistake we'll ever make on the Thundercast. <laughs> the point being, it is just time, right? There, there is no. You can't give me a good reason of why we don't do this for all of our mm. Hall of Fame athletes. There is yeah. no good reason that you can tell me that it's not done already, yeah. uh, especially when people notice. We notice. And I know other fans notice. We just happen to have microphones in front of us, you know. And that's how if, – if being herd family is important, then honor those family members, right? Sure. They, they earned it. They earned it. They, they, they sold tickets for you, man. People came to watch them play. So get, do that for them. They earned it, you know. I mean, are there, there's probably not many more decorated athletes top to bottom than, say – Morgan Zirkle, for example, her bio on her zone is ridiculous, but still there's no 18 at the dot. You know, there's no conference USA era 18 Jersey posted at the dot. And there needs to be somewhere, somewhere. There's a lot of places you can do it. You know, I don't know where there's a building facade. There's a whole outfield wall. There's, you can do all kinds of stuff, right? You can build something new and just display that Th those things need to happen. And, Anytime, like I said, you have a class, a Hall of Fame class, that should just be part of the class. Everybody's jersey gets retired. Let's talk about one other thing when we talk about this Moss thing, Russ. And, and I made the tweet, and I got to talk about it. I got to talk about it. My initial knee-jerk reaction was, okay, if they're going to honor him, let's say he rolls into town. He's all dressed out in this super fly suit. You know, he's looking the part. He's, he's, it's a big deal. My man has got to have the cat in the hat socks under the suit pants, right? And I'm going to need like the camera to zoom in and just to give me like a little three or four inch pant leg raise to see the socks under the suit pants because I have no doubt that the Joan C. Edwards crowd would erupt. And that would be such a cool moment, man. So give me that, Randy, if you're listening. I know you are. Why wouldn't you be, right? Go get some cat in the hat socks, man. You got to rock those when they bring you back in the fall. That'll be a moment that that one more little thing that you can give to this herd fan base to get the biggest like eruption of cheer that I can imagine. I think it would be such a cool moment, man. Um, out of line or totally inbounds with that take, Russ? I'm with it. 
I want to see it. <laughs> and I'm already committed that when we do whatever uh, event we have to honor this, I'll be wearing them no matter what. Yeah. I like your idea that we need to pass them out uh, for that game or for the season ticket holders or whatever. Uh, I'm 100% with that. Um, real quick, too, we talked about this being a 2024 thing. You know, it's been announced. The actual induction is December the 10th mm -hmm. of this year. So I could see them waiting until after that ceremony has happened. But I think that you do it the same season that he's going to be, you know, yeah. um, it's part of the class for so the 2024 yeah. season, 2024 class. I don't think it really matters that the induction ceremony is not till later. He's that's in. what I'm getting at. He's that's in. what I'm getting at. Yeah. So I go ahead and do it this year um, and capitalize on that and go ahead and plan the, the entire thing is, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And this, and that uh, obviously you have to go around his schedule. He is a um, talking head on uh, the NFL. Uh, so, you know, you have to coordinate that with him and everything that you can do. There's a lot goes into it. You can't just say, Hey, here's what we're going to do and exclude him from the the plan of it of course, and of just hope that he can be there. Right. Okay. Um, so a lot's going to have to go into it. And I think that us included, we've thrown out a bunch of stuff. You've got to find a schedule to when you can do these things. So if things don't happen the way that we want them to, if things don't happen when they when we want them to, we have to understand it might not be for a lack of trying from our athletic. I understand. Department. I understand. This is not a cast blame scenario here, but yeah, here's my deal. First of all, let me backtrack a minute and we talk mm -hmm. about the stocks again. Yes. I think this is an opportunity for Marshall to capitalize on the excitement here. You make that a perk of buying season tickets. Yes. That's what you, if you have to go somewhere and have custom socks made 10,000 pair of socks, then you do that, right? And you make it part of season ticket package. You order four season tickets, you're going to get four pairs of socks, right? That kind of deal. Uh, also, I think that lends to being, well, dude, if we're going to accentuate these socks, then we, we we need to be looking at an early September home game so people can be rocking shorts and rocking socks to the game to make it look really cool. Because who else does that? Nobody else has done that. That's not a thing that somebody has done because that was Moss's thing in 1996 he and doug chapman wore those socks together but people think of randy moss they think of the striped socks right buying a lot of people do so this is an excellent opportunity for marshall to probably increase its season ticket sales this season if that is a perk of buying season tickets and let's face it if you're going to buy ten thousand socks it's not going to cost you that much money to do it and if you get some cool black and white striped ones and you get a a, a kelly green 88 put on the side of them somewhere, dude, I'm telling you, somebody call me, right? I, I, I think we can, we can put the creative juices to work here and, and probably maximize some ticket sales for, for the herd. I mean, think about those casual fans that go, eh, I'm on the fence. I don't know if I'm going to buy them. I'm only going to go to two or three games. That could be something really simple that pushes them over the edge. You go, I got to have these socks, man. When's that going to happen again? I got to have them. So I'll buy season tickets this year. You know, you justify the cost. I I think we got to do it. Do it. Perk of season tickets. Do it. Do it. Um, I am I am the the amount of ideas that have that have flowed through my head after this. The amount of of things that I could potentially see in the fall. 
I, I feel like I might be unjustly putting a lot of pressure and expectation on Marshall to like, <laughs> like fulfill my vision here. And I'm not trying to do that. It's just like, man, this is a big, this is like once in a potentially once, once in, in a, a lifetime yeah. thing, yeah. you know, and they have an opportunity to knock it out of the park. This isn't one of those scenarios where I feel like, all right, well, let's cut some corners here. Let's save a buck here. Nah, man, pay what it costs, right? Pay what it costs because I think people will in turn show out for that. Let's think about if this happens to turn out uh, and, and it all lines out and they schedule it for the Stony Brook game. You ever think in your mind you might see a sellout crowd for a game against Stony Brook? Not any other way, but damn, if you might not, if if this goes down, that that game, you know, I mean, an extra 10,000 fans showing up to that game is not out of the realm of possibility, for crying out loud. What about a two-day event where there's a banquet the night before, you know, doing it all? I would pay money to go to that. Sure and, would. And uh, you do that, and then you got the Saturday, you know, you, you make a night of it, and then you start tailgating the next morning. Um, huge, huge, I mean, opportunity here yeah, to do, to do anything that, that you can imagine. You know, you got that opportunity. We sure do, man. Any way you get around this, I could talk about this for a long, long time because this is such a great thing, man, to, to, to look at the potential to change the facade of the Joan. We, we have all looked at the same press box, basically, for a long, long time. And now it might not look the same in 2024 and beyond, right? And, and you, who knows how long that it would look like this. So this is one of those milestone moments for a very decorated football program, right? And this is an opportunity to seize this and just knock it out of the park, man. And I know it doesn't matter. Some people will always complain. But those that understand what is at play here and see the potential and then see a really great execution of a plan and provide a lifetime once in a lifetime experience. This is, this is very, very big, very, very big. Hey, we didn't even bring this up during this, but we are in zone suites and that end zone is getting a total renovation. That is a blank canvas for where you can put things true. in the future as well. Yeah, I mean that's I mean, an it's entirely just different. Yeah, it's an entirely different thing. You know, we talk about the facade of, of the press box and everything, and you said it doesn't have to be there. We're getting ready to have a lot more physical things to have plaques and jerseys and yep. uh, signage on. Yeah. So. We've seen some of those renderings that there's a lot of open air, you know, right yeah. there. So it would be an easy like addition to flank the suites with something that you could you know, properly uh, display some things that you could then probably, if you ever had to do it, just kind of build out a little bit. But yeah, man, the, the possibilities are truly endless right now because you're working with a blank slate for a large portion of the stadium. Um, I am, I am eager to see the plan. I am eager to see what the weekend looks like, what the game, which game it's going to be. Uh, you know, I know in the grand scheme of things, Look, man, I'm I'm nobody in in herd circles, right? I don't make decisions. I don't even have input. I have great ideas, or I think I have great ideas, but logistically, I don't. I can just say whatever I think is a good idea, but I don't know the the, the logistics behind those ideas. Yeah, and, and I understand that some people will listen to what I say and they go, "Man, that's a great idea. They ought to do that." Or some people might listen and go, "Man, that's a terrible idea. Why would you even say that?" I get it. I just. I, 
I see this as a huge opportunity to make a big impact, to mend some fences with some people, maybe uh, a way to re-engage a large portion of, of former players. Think about it. All of Moss's former players, how many of those guys would want to be back for that day? You know what I mean? You can go a long way into into mending some fences that may not be as as sturdy as you would want them to be. And also set the tone for relationships in the future. So this yeah. is a this is a big milestone moment. You know, you could re-energize some fans. You could re-energize some former players. You could gain more support. This is just a great opportunity to do that, man. And and that's why I think this needs to be a pull out all the stops type of uh type of event. That's just my two cents. But bring it on. I'm ready to retire the 88. You not so much. Me, retire the 88. Well, when I say retire, it's different, you know, like what you said, you know, put it up there and honor it. But well, you mean immortalize the 88, right? Yeah, I'm don't, saying don't nobody well, else can wear it. It's already been immortalized. And one of the things that I, I hate about this sort of thing is, you know, He's been gone now from Marshall uh, 26 years, and there's right. been a lot of 88s on the roster, so he wasn't the last one to wear it. So and I matter. get I know it's just in my OCD mind, that's what I always hate about when you retire numbers, and it's in I, Major League Baseball. It's not just college. That's what football. I was going to say. Think about the easiest example of that is when they retired the 42. 42 right, that was across, long yeah. after, and then they said, "All right, any whoever the last guy is to wear 42, nobody's going." Was maybe Mariano Rivera was the last. It 42. was, it was. So, and that was decades, decades. Mm -hmm. So I get yeah. it, and it's not the same situation, right? Moss and uh -huh. Jackie Robinson are not the same situation, right? But it's it's not like this would be the first time ever, and it's happened probably at other programs where they finally retired a number of an all-time great from decades before that has been in rotation forever. So. Uh, I get what you're saying. I, I I just think personally, you do that. You do that. You know, I, I'd love to see a statue too. I, I glossed over that. I mean, we we have talked about that a number of times. And you freeze frame the leap over the Army Defender, and that's kind of like the that to me is the quintessential, you know, freeze frame for a statue. Uh, it kind of looks like the Jordan Jump Man, but it's not. That that's like. One of the earliest, it, it, it's not technically what you would call it a you got mossed because he wasn't catching the ball over a guy, but that's a you got mossed moment. It's just not with a catch. It was with a, a you know, a leap, but I could talk about this forever, man. We, we got to go around the herd. I'm sorry. We got to retire the 88. Let's go around the herd. All right. Around the herd, we're going to start with softball. We got a commitment out of a Spring Valley, Kate Spry, number one outfielder in West Virginia. Yep. Uh, Morgan Zirkle continues to impress, uh, and and they're making uh, a, a marked um, recruiting focus for our top-tier players in the state of West Virginia, which we as West Virginia natives, born and raised, you still live there, I currently do not. That's something that I love seeing. I, I love seeing our 304 athletes continue to get opportunities at uh, Marshall University because you can come here and you can win here. And being that uh, she's from Spring Valley, I really love that because that means that brings instant fan support, right? People got to drive 15 minutes, 20 minutes up the road to the dot to see a half a season's worth of games. That's the kind of stuff you think about Owen Porter. Same thing. Spring Valley High School, instant fan support, lifetime Marshall fans came here. And the story that Owen Porter has written for himself from being 
recruited, played locally, high performer in high school, now an all-time great herd legend. This is the same opportunity uh, that uh, Miss Spry has with herd softball. Okay, and I love that man. I love my, Cabell Midland, Huntington High School, Spring Valley High School. It, it, I mean, even down to Charleston and and Hurricane Parkersburg. I don't care, but when you get when you keep inside the city, that that means a little bit more, I think. But I love that. I, I love I love what uh, Coach Circle and that staff is doing. We're really getting down to the nitty gritty. We're getting really really close to the first uh, pitch of softball season. So. Man, it, less it's, than a it's, month away it's now. Creeping less up really month. fast, isn't it? All right, we're going to move over to swim and dive. They had a pair of meets on Friday of last week. They lost the meet at Ohio, but Grace Kelsheimer won the uh, one meter and three meter dives. Molly Warner had two wins: two hundred meter freestyle and the two hundred meter backstroke. And Maya McBride won the one hundred meter backstroke. Uh, amongst all the other finishes that they had, they picked up several uh, second and third place finishes at that meet. Then Saturday morning, they had a quick turnaround right here at home. They won 13 out of the 16 events in the home meet versus Bowling Green, and they swept the podium first, second, third place in four of those events. I've got the article up here with all the different uh, ones, and I would just like to go over these. Uh, 200 medley relay first was Maya McBride, Paige Blanton, Madeline Hart, and Clava Katayama. 1,000 uh, meter freestyle, Charlotte Thompson was first, Jenna Bopp was second. 200 freestyle, uh, Madeline Hart, Audrey West, and Allison Dodd swept the podium on that one. Uh, 100 meter backstroke, uh, they got second, third, fourth, and seventh, but they did not get first place in that. It's Maya McBride, Gabrielle Ivy, Parker Lynch, and Kate Bulgarskaya. 100-meter breaststroke also swept the podium. Paige Banton, Jenna Bopp, Jessica Humby, 200 uh, butterfly. Esther LeBon was second. Molly Warner was third. Tatum Robinson was fifth. 50-meter freestyle. Clava Katayama was first. Claire Kinney was third. Three-meter dive, Grace Kelsheimer finished second. 100-meter freestyle, uh, Clava Katayama first, Madeline Hart second. 200-meter backstroke, Maya McBride first, Gabrielle Ivy second. 200-meter breaststroke swept the top four, Paige Banton, Audrey West, Jessica Humby, and uh, Nina Nugent. 500-meter freestyle, Esther LeBon was first, Charlotte Thompson second. 100 Butterfly, Madeline Hart first, Molly Warner third, 100 Meter Dive, Grace Kelsheimer, as mentioned, was first in that 200 Individual Medley, Molly Warner first, uh, Paige Banton, Allison Dodd, Esther LeBon rounded out the top four sweep there. And finally, 200 Freestyle Relay first was Clava Katayama, Gabriel Ivey, Parker Lynch, Audrey West, and nipping on the tails. They came in third, but they were really close to first, even. Maya McBride, Claire Kinney, Nina Nugent, and Molly Warner. Holy <laughs> hell. I saw I know, it was, I, know, I know it was only two teams, yeah, right? So? But it was just an absolute beatdown of, you know, finishes <laughs> and just ridiculous. And 
you know, one thing that I didn't mention from that Friday is we had 25 season bests yeah. at that point. That's what I was going to say. I know I'd seen yeah. it was like 25 somethings in it. You say it was season best. Yeah, yeah. this was a straight up drubbing, right? I mean, yeah. bang. They, I mean, I know this is usually a basketball term, but it kind of applies in the pool too. They dunked on Bowling Green <laughs> at this meeting. They cannonballed on them. They did, man. It's <laughs> like, what a what an outpouring here. And I know you had had plans on going, and and it just was a terrible weather, day. Weather, yeah, weather killed. Uh, what the a family what an opportunity out. to go! You would have seen the utter domination at the auditorium, man. Dang, but I, maybe you'll have I another know. opportunity to go. That's that's. But an impressive weekend, even though you kind of go one and one on the weekend in events, the individual uh, showings and and you know the 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 bests and all it it never that was a laundry list you just ripped off. Right. And it's hard to keep track of all that because you're like you expect when you when you start doing that, you expect the list to maybe last like five or ten seconds. You know, you're like, oh, we had a pretty good showing. And then you're like, holy hell, that was like a solid minute and a half. Maybe yeah. two let minutes me, worth let of me, killer finishes. Let me read from the phone book here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's yeah. what it was like. Um they have Friday through Sunday, they're going to be in Buffalo, New York, facing Buffalo and Duquesne. If you look at it, uh, they are in the same, uh, they are doing a head-to-head against Buffalo. And then later that day, they're in a meet with Buffalo and Duquesne. And that's okay. going to be all three of those. Uh, so a lot of different meets. It looks like it's two different weekend meets. One is just a head-to-head, and the other is uh, amongst three or, or maybe even more. That's got to be nice to take a trip to Buffalo, New York in January. In January. Sure that'd be nice. <laughs> I've, I've been been through there in February, and it was none the, uh, none the better. Yeah, I bet. Uh, track and field, they have the Marshall Alumni Classic coming up on Saturday morning. They're uh, opening up the doors at 8 a.m. They're going to have a – a lot of different alumni in there that they're going to be hosting and doing some things. And then uh, I believe 10 a.m. is the first uh, meet start. So if you got nothing better to do on Saturday morning and we do have a home game for basketball that day, swing on by and go to track and field first. Yeah, be pretty cool. That's a nice kind of cool event. Women's basketball crushed South Alabama 90 to 64 at home on Thursday. Then they beat Arkansas State 68 to 51 on Saturday. Yep. Uh, we'll get into those in just a second, but travel to Georgia State Thursday at 11 a.m. and then Coastal Carolina Saturday at 1 p.m. Yeah. The, the, the herd is now nine and five on the season. Uh, I, I still hate to try to jump the gun here, but I think they've turned a corner. You know, I think oh, yeah. they, you I can think, tell. Well, I mean, but even more so than what we were seeing, you know, I think they've turned yet another corner. And there's still going to be wins and losses along the route here, but it's going to take a um it's going to take a best effort type game from a lot of our opponents because, you know, if you keep track like I one of the one of my favorite things to go look at is the scoring graphic on ESPN, you know, like the rising lines of the scores. And I, yeah. and I always go back to the point to where it was close before the gap started widening. And just for example, this, uh, this game against uh, South Alabama where the herd won uh, 90 to 64, it was, er, it was close, like basically through the first half. It wasn't, you know, 
out of out of reach. I mean, Marshall had a five point lead with three and a half minutes left in the second quarter, and that's kind of where it took off, you know. And specifically in that uh, middle to late third quarter and all of the fourth quarter, we're just running away from other teams, and that speaks more so to the style of play that we just and, and the the word I, relentless is the best word. It just is because they don't tire out. They don't, um, you know, nobody seemingly can keep pace with them. And even if their shots aren't falling at a, at a fierce pace, they are still able to create more opportunities to make more shots. So it's not like they have to play this stellar defense and also hit 50% from the floor. They can, they can shoot a little under, you know, they can underperform a little bit because they create so many more opportunities for themselves by creating turnovers and, and, and rebounds and things like that. So coach Kim, I'm telling you, uh, last week we said they are meeting expectations. I'm t- if I, if we have a, you know, we do another around the herd, which we'll obviously do here in about two or three weeks. That might be the point where we say, okay, they're exceeding expectations now because it really feels like the road, uh, that, that herd women's basketball is on is trending upward at a very fast pace. So we got to go, we got to hit the road for a couple of games and then we'll finally be back in the cam. And I want to transition that into this. I don't know if you saw that, but I did as you were talking about swim and dive. There is a flash sale going on right now on Herd Zone over the next 48 hours. So this probably won't get posted until uh, the 10th. So at that point, you'll have maybe under 24 hours to uh, take advantage of the sale. But all home women's basketball game tickets are going to be three bucks a piece. There are seven games remaining, which means you could essentially buy uh, season tickets for the remainder of the season for 21 bucks, right? But they're giving you the opportunity to just Pick and choose. You don't have to buy all seven. You can just pick up a couple. Go go buy some tickets and make an appointment to go see this team at least twice. Not once. Go see them at least twice. So I'm saying pick up early season tickets. Go see those two games so that you give yourself an opportunity to go back to a later season game. You might not get that ticket for three bucks, but it'll be worth the cost of admission because you'll have such a great time for the first two times that you go. But, man, we are rolling let me tell you how we are rolling first six games of the year we had uh leading scorer rochella scott mm-hmm. um that uh record was two and four the final game she went zero and eight from the field that was at uh moorhead uh dropped her down to 21 points a game she was up like 24.6 something like that she scored four points in that game since then, without her, and I'm not saying it's because we don't have her. I'm saying that this team has stepped up, right? And we are seven and one, with a lone loss being a game against ACC Wake Forest on the road, where we led going into the fourth quarter, and we're still neck and neck with them until the last minute of the game, right? This is a ridiculously good team already. Yeah, I don't think we're going undefeated the rest of the year. Yeah, winning the uh, conference uh, tournament would still be a shock to me in year one. I'm not putting up any kind of superlatives that I think is putting too much pressure on this team. But for right now, 
I think they're way ahead of where I thought that they would be in year one of bringing in an entirely new system. Sure are. And, and, and not having a full recruiting class of yep. bringing in the players for that system. Yeah, not to mention, we haven't even said this, 3-0 and in conference play. So they've lost games, but they were all out-of-conference games. So the games that truly matter right now, conference games. That's seeding, mm-hmm. that's, that's tournament, that's all that good stuff, undefeated. And that's where you want to be. You want to take your lumps early in the out-of-conference so that you're ready to roll for the conference slate. And that's exactly what we're seeing for the Marshall women. And let's go ahead and transition over into the Marshall men because they, too, are currently 3-0 and in the Sun Belt. Let's have the recap. Yeah, so they beat ULM 68-57 on the road on Wednesday and then beat Texas State on the road on Saturday, 79-75, in a massive win. Just a quick shout-out real quick. We do have a new basketball writer over on Thundercast.online, Luke Rubin. Also goes by at Herd Hoops on Twitter. Uh, he's doing some great breakdowns, and he wrote an article specifically on that game. That's why I want to give him a shout-out there. Mm-hmm. Uh They host Georgia Southern at 7 p.m. on Wednesday and then South Alabama Saturday at 4 p.m. This team uh, is – these two teams are the only two teams program, Marshall's program, are the only one in the Sun Belt that have undefeated records in men's and women's basketball teams in in conference play. They are – for all the lumps that we took early, and and there are still lumps to take, obviously – Uh, they've quieted a lot of the rumblings and the grouchiness that was there just maybe even a month ago. A lot of it has gone away. You just cannot uh, gloss over how well Obina has been playing lately. You cannot gloss over the automatic double-double that Nate Martin brings every single night. These, These guys have just provided a different aspect than we need, than we had last year because it's not the, the backcourt, you know, scoring, doing all the scoring and all this kind of stuff. Also, one thing, it's at Herd Hoops News, not just at Herd Hoops. It's at oh, Herd Oh, I'm Hoops sorry. News. So, I would have swore I said that, but I'm sorry. So follow Luke uh, at Herd Hoops News on Twitter to get some really great basketball insight and coverage. It's not just the articles that he posts <clears throat> on that we post for him on Thundercast.online. He's got a passion for herd hoops, right? That's why he's herd hoops news. So you get a lot of deep diving opinion and, and uh, analysis. So just a good follow if you're a herd basketball fan. And we thank him for joining us uh, and providing some content at thundercast.online. And we should say this, it's because we mentioned that in the last episode that he sent mm-hmm. us a DM. So this is a good opportunity to say that again. If you like baseball, if you like softball, if you like volleyball and you want to write, if you're just – Hey, from a fan perspective, like Russ says, we're not looking for anybody to compete with Luke Creasy. That's not what we're after. But if you're a fan of one of those programs or several of those programs, you're like, yeah, I think I'd like to write something for some fun. Holler at us, you know, and and we'll we'll fill it out and we'll talk about it. And, and if it's a good fit, then we got no problems with you guys writing. Also, uh, Trace Johnson did the 19 starting quarterbacks of the FBS era for Marshall, and he did a ranking of those. That's turned into a series. And now currently working on the top 10 running backs of the FBS era for Marshall. We put the first teaser out for that yesterday, number 10. That was Earl Charles. Later today, which, of course, again, this episode probably won't go up till tomorrow, so you'll see the tweet already. We're going to tease number nine, so stay tuned for that. Be on the lookout for that. And then we'll send you over to the full article 
when we're done with teasers. But look for that's going to be a series. I think he's going to go through every position group or or, or a large portion of them anyway. Uh, but back to herd basketball. They're kind of rolling a little bit too. Three-game winning streak. Nice win over Louisiana. Nice win over ULM. Great comeback win against Texas State. So both basketball programs kind of rolling. You know, you mentioned uh, home games. They're still at home this weekend, or they're coming home this weekend. Georgia State, or I'm sorry, Georgia Southern Wednesday night, and then South Alabama with the new time change on Saturday, 4 p.m. tip-off, two big games. You know, uh, Georgia Southern's now a 2-13 and 13 team. They had just one win the last time we recorded. South Alabama's a little bit of a mirror image of the herd record-wise, 8-7 and seven on the season. Herd's 8-8 eight eight currently. So get out to the cam. We're going to be giving tickets away. We make it really easy. You can go set in our seats, kick back, watch the game, root the guys on. I mean, we just – this is something that we love doing, and we love sending people to the games because it's just a hell of a lot of fun. Russ, what the heck else do we have in Around the Herd? The only thing that I have is I got a couple of individual notes on uh, players for uh, men's basketball. Okay. 9.7 rebounds a game for Nate Martin. That's 26th in the nation, and that puts him 0.3 rebounds a game. Not hard to round that up if he can get some good uh, rebounding stats in future games to where he would average a double-double. Yeah, He's a uh, threat and gets it most uh, games, but nearly averaging a double-double. And then Obina, as uh, mentioned, has stepped up his game. He is getting 16.2 points a game. That is 4.6 points higher than his career best coming into this game. Last year, only 8.7, so he's nearly doubled his output, just becoming that much more of a threat on the offensive end. He's still a threat on the boards and then the on blocking shots. Uh, but you see him uh, taking it to the hole in uh, fast break transitions. You just see him rounding out his game. And mm-hmm. the last thing I want to say, he's got his three-point percentage up to 45.2. Wow. That wow. is amazing no matter who you are yeah. in NCAA. Uh, but he is uh, 45.2. His uh, Listen to these. Freshman, 17.2%. Uh, then it shot up his sophomore year, 31.8. Last year, dipped way back down, 14%. Mm-hmm. It was almost a grimace every time that he took a shot last year because he just <laughs> seemed to – no, I mean, he seemed to have the yips on him. You yeah. know what I mean? It was like a, a hesitation that he would take. And you, this year, he does not think about it. It hits his hand. He's got the confidence, and he's nailing it at a very, very good rate. Just wanted yeah. to bring those up. Well, I want to piggyback one other thing, and we're talking about this record, right, to be an 8-8 eight and eight team. And then remember when we were down the Cayman Islands and we talked about maybe the herd looks vastly different if Obina gets to make the trip. Yeah. And then to come out of that and see how he has improved in all of these facets and all of these categories, and you look back on that and you go, you know what, maybe it wasn't that far out of the realm to think, Marshall could have made some real noise there. And you could yeah. be looking at a, a much better record. You know, you could be looking yeah. at a 10 and six team here potentially, yeah. but I don't care what matters. Just like I said, with the women is they're three and zero in conference play. Conference. That's what matters. That's what matters. So they're rolling. Both teams are rolling right now. We're going to keep it up. going to have some, we, we need to have some big crowds for the homestand while the, while the boys are at home and uh, create the environment, which by the way, the cam is, amongst the tops in uh, Sunbelt basketball attendance for men right now. We need to get that number up for the women, obviously, because they're rolling just as well. Uh, get, get your butts out there to watch these teams, but con- um, 
kudos to everybody that's going out to watch the men play. I need you to make the same trip and go watch the women play. Uh, you've proven that you can make the trip to the cam. You just need to do it a couple more times because not that often are both programs home at the same time. So if that's your Wednesday thing and, and Saturday thing, you should just do it every Wednesday, Saturday, right? Um, but Russ, if you got nothing else, take us out of here. Now, nah, whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the Joan, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. Get me some cat in the hat socks for the fall. We'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>